0: Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris, and today is co-host Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us. We're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So be sure to follow us on Twitter to let us know what you think, and also be sure to comment and share any hockey games, news, or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. So, Sebastian, on today's podcast, we'd like to introduce our special guest, the assistant coach of the USPHL's Ogden Mustangs, Nick Dreyer. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Thanks, welcome.
1: guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we appreciate you jumping on. Uh, it's it's no secret to our listeners that I and my co-hosts are big fans of the Ogden Mustangs and regularly attend, the, or I at least regularly attend the games because I live here. We appreciate that you're taking the time to jump on this podcast.
1: Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. No, this is awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your hockey life. Uh, so I started playing when I was about two, and I grew up in the Midwest in the St. Louis area. Uh, went to college there after I graduated high school. I played a year, you know, Tier 2. Back then it was called AA before they went to the tier system. Uh, my entire life I played one year as a junior blue, the 85 A junior blues, and then I uh, as soon as I got to college, I went to a private school just outside of St. Louis called McKendree University. It's an ACHA D1 program. Uh, graduated from there and jumped right into coaching. I had a high school program, RC and JV, just outside of St. Louis that I ran for around four seasons. And My wife got a tech job out here in Utah, so came out here. I worked with the Park City Ice Miners uh, Tier 2 program over in Park City for three seasons and got this opportunity when Sean uh, purchased the team back in June of this this past season and uh, jumped on the coaching staff with Kenny Orlando and uh, away we went and here we are now. So
0: That's awesome. And it's been I actually I'm familiar with McKendree University. I lived in St. Louis for a few years, but uh, we're probably talking, oh man, almost 20 years ago now at this point. <laughs> Early 2000s. Early 2000s. I lived there. I'm not going to date myself here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm actually familiar with McKendree. So that's really awesome. Um, yeah, it's been a fun and exciting season. Uh, any moments to stand out for you up to now? <laughs>
1: Um, you know, the, the the moment that stands out the, the most for me is probably not so exciting to everybody else, but it was, you know, our first win um, as an organization, you know, with the new ownership and new coaching staff and everybody. I know our first weekend of the season, we, we went to NOCO not really knowing what to expect with a, a young group of guys and kind of got pushed around for three games until we got our bearings underneath us. And then we came back home for our you know first home game and got a win out of it. There's a huge sigh of relief uh, coming back from that first weekend. We didn't, you know, we were questioning if we'd ever get one after 3 games and uh you know we got that first one off our back and kind of went on a tear after that so that was probably the moment that that stands out the most for me personally um and, and probably the coaching staff would say the same but it's been a, it's been a really fun year we've been just very fortunate to be able to play and you know pretty much play a full season where we're one of the only teams in the country that's had the luxury to do so
0: yeah i was going to say it's we were talking about that on what was it sebastian our covid podcast the one yeah, we talked our- about covid
2: yeah. yeah, I think it was when we kind of broke down what was going on in the hockey world basically.
0: Yeah, cuz it's it's actually amazing that the Stangs have been able to pull off and in fact just a Mountain Division and of itself has been able to pull off all the games that it has been able to and with very limited capacity there at the Weber Ice Sheet, we've been able to attend games. And so that's I was actually kind of I was actually kind of stunned because I follow the Stangs on a lot of social media. I've been a fan of the team since 2016. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea they had started playing. I had just no clue. I, I think it was a few games into the season where I'm like, wait, the Stangs are playing? What the? And I looked and I'm like, you guys had had a bunch of games under your belt. And it was, when did you guys start playing? October, right?
1: Uh, we we actually started in September. Um, okay. Yeah.
0: I must have noticed it in October. Yeah. Yeah, because we started the podcast in October, like the mid-October is when he officially launched his podcast. So I think I missed the first week or two, and I looked, I'm like, we played a bunch of games. I had no clue this was happening. <laughs> so that's the other thing, too. Is like When I when I found out you guys were playing, I went to jump on to get tickets, and you guys were sold out for the next couple games. And I was like, well, with, with 500 person capacity at the time, uh, I, I was struggling to figure out if I was ever going to get tickets to the game, but...
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the beginning of the season was was very it was strange, right? It just felt different than every other season. But, you know, for us, it it was one, we're fortunate enough to have a facility as nice as we have and and be able to socially distance. And so that's that way we could have fans where at the beginning of the season, like northern Colorado, Pueblo, like there are no fans. And as much as we love hockey and love being a part of it, there's just a different feel to the game when there's fans in the building, whether they're your own fans or, you know visiting fans whatever the case may be but it's just a different feel and uh, like I said our facility has been great you know we challenged our kids from from day one that you know whoever does ultimately go to nationals and do well I mean it's probably going to be one of the most disciplined teams that follows protocol does things the right way gets to play as many games as they need to to get themselves ready so you know it's a it's a big check mark for our guys too Um, you know they've been pretty focused since day one and you know they know they're here for a reason and that's to develop and, and get better at hockey and you know they they've kept their social statuses and Relative control for the most part, and uh, you know they've taken good care of themselves and stayed in good health, so we've been pretty fortunate.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the only really question I have there is, I mean, for us, we're kind of going through the same thing where, you know, obviously with COVID, uh, we didn't get to start right away, but we had uh, no fans in the building. And I'm not sure kind of how they treated you guys, but for us, you know, obviously with our guys, usually wanting to go in an hour and a half, two hours early, they do whatever they do. Um, you know, we'll have a, bit, you know, a little bit of film or whatever we do as, as coaches. Um, they cut that down to half an hour. So I was just kind of wondering, like, for you guys, like, what uh, did, did the pregame like, schedule change for you guys? Or were you guys able to kind of kind of roll on like a regular season?
1: It changed a little bit on the road. At home, we we were very fortunate where you know we were able to to have full access to everything that we have in our facility. Um, you know, because our, our locker rooms tunneled away and it's all roped off during games. So, you know, pregames were, were, were typical, right? Like we'd get there two hours before Uh, the guys, we'd have a quick meeting, usually do a little bit of video if we needed to. And then the guys would go into their individual group slash team routines for warmups. But you know, everything for us was was pretty normal. Now, sometimes when we went on the road, there were some different protocols, at some of the different ranks. Uh, Maverick Center, you know, when the Grizzlies started playing, the outliers were kind of handcuffed as to, you know, when they could let teams in the building. Provo had some. Some issues at the very beginning. But, you know, for the most part, I'd say everything's been pretty normal in the Utah scenarios. But, you know, when we went to Colorado. It's a little bit different. Got a little bit trickier. Um, had to do, you know, a little bit quicker turnaround times for warmups and all that stuff. But we've been we've been pretty lucky.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, without having fans in the arena, you're you're right. Even if it's not your hometown fans, if it's the other team's fans because you're in their arena, it does give a different feel to the game. I can imagine that the visiting Colorado teams, both NoCo and Pueblo, uh, when they get to our arena, are pretty happy, even though they might not admit it, especially the goalies for the opposing teams, to be chirped by the guy behind the glass who is really, really good <laughs> <laughs> at not... Not being quiet the entire second period, but I love his chirps. He's super funny. He he never, honestly, I like it because he never goes vulgar. He never cusses at the players. He he finds out where they're from and he just keeps poking, and he just he does his research before the game and he just keeps going on that stuff and just finding anything and everything about that opposing goalie and any of the any of the other opposing players to just kind of have a little bit of fun with them and. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that uh, I personally don't chirp other goalies because I'm a goalie and I, unless I'm on the ice, even on the ice, I don't chirp other goalies. I just, I don't know, for me, it's a goalie thing, but.
1: You, know. <laughs> you guys are all weird anyway, so.
2: Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Yeah. Um, we're, I've never yeah. met a group so tightly close to each other without knowing each other. I mean, for me, I don't care if was across the ice. I'm going to let you have it anyways because I'm playing against you.
0: Yeah. It was one of those games. I think it was. Uh, I want to say it was in. it Had to be Northern Colorado. I don't think it was Pebble. I think it was Northern Colorado. Your last away stretch before you guys came home. He had Titan Anderson in that, and I think it was a pretty good play coming in, and the the NoCo forward put a pass him in overtime, and the whole team came out to celebrate. And of course, the the NoCo backup goalie came out there just to kind of give him the little love tap. And that's just it's it's a it's a community. I think goaltending. I mean they're. Every community has its idiots. I've definitely met them as a goalie. I've met the goalies where I'm like, if I get a chance to hit you, I might. But the bulk of goalies, a weird, tight grip community. So, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you guys are now moving to the playoffs. Uh, of course, uh, due to COVID-19 protocols, the games this past weekend uh, between the Ogden Mustangs and the Utah Outliers were postponed and now you and Utah have to travel out to northern Colorado to face off against each other. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So it's weird because if you look at the standings, you know, as far as points, win percentage, we finished on top. Um, they adopted this system. It's called the crotch system that's used by a couple different leagues. So what ended up happening is it, it factors in a lot of different things. Strength of schedule is one of thing that fits in the equation. Um, so, so we finished behind Northern Colorado and I think we might've actually technically finished behind Pueblo, um, as well, strictly because they got uh, opportunity to go to Chicago showcase and they did well against other teams in our league from different divisions that are ranked pretty high in the country. They did well and won a couple of those games. So that bumped their rating up a little bit higher than us, even though we, you know, had more points and a higher winning percentage. Um, so, you know, for us we didn't get the opportunity to go to the Chicago showcase. We were supposed to go to Boston and that got canceled. So when that happened, that kind of limited and handcuffed us as to who we could play for the rest of the season. So you saw a lot of games against Vegas, who's a very good team. Um, we, We played that Pacific division because they were kind of hurting for games when Southern Oregon was forced to fold up shop for the year. So, you know, we, we spent a lot of time playing those teams and, you know, just based on the early part of the season where they didn't have a lot of games played, they weren't ranked as high nationally. So, you know, the success that we had against those teams, I think we went seven and two against teams outside of our division this year. Uh, it doesn't hold as much weight as uh, Pueblo, for example, going to the Chicago showcase and beating the Metro Jets, who were, you know, number one or number two in the country at the time. So uh, it is what it is. It's not an excuse. Uh, you know, we're, we're happy with the results that we had from the regular season. We thought we, we played pretty well. Um, it's good to finish the season on a high note with a win, but uh, you know, we and I think if you ask anybody in our division, they would tell you like we we strongly believe that that we have you know one of if not the best division in the entire league. And uh, every game's a grind, so you know this this little round robin thing is going to be a lot of fun to watch, but it's going to be a lot of hard work and a lot of tough, gritty hockey. So it's going to be really tough on our guys. And I know every team in our division's had stretches. I know Noco at one point here in the last couple months played a 10 and 10 stretch. We had a think of nine and eleven stretch, so you know the outliers have had their battles. Same thing with with all the teams really. Pueblo, um, so we're all kind of just in this thing together and just trying to see who the the last team standing is here on Sunday, whenever it's all said and done with.
0: Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. And with the new format, because you guys all have to go out to Noco now and uh, play the games out there. How's it looking? So you guys will face off against the outliers in a three game series. I'm assuming Colorado and Pueblo are facing off against each other in a three game series. And then from there, immediately moving to technically the second round.
1: No, so what it's what it's doing is, um, it's kind of adopting the the, the Canadian Hockey League format. Um, I think it's the Memorial Cup. So we're actually doing a round robin. So oh, okay. Wednesday morning we're gonna play Pueblo. Uh, what is it? Thursday afternoon at two o'clock we play Noco, and then on uh Friday morning we play the Outliers, and then after everybody plays their three games. Whoever the, the highest-seeded team is at that point, based on points or a few different tiebreaker scenarios, will get a bye till Sunday, and then two versus three in the standings will play in a semifinal on Saturday to see who plays on Sunday against the number one seed. So, it gives you a little incentive to finish first, because you obviously get the off day on Saturday um, to kind of rest up for the championship. Uh, so, you know, I think for all the teams, though, you know, finishing first, second, or third, you know, the day off is it, it is what it is. It's nice to have it, but we're also used to playing so many games in such a short period of time that we're all going to be ready to go. I'm sure that'll actually be pretty
0: exciting. So I'm glad to know that the games will be Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning. You say right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We we play Wednesday morning, nine o'clock. Uh, we had I think every team has two morning games with the exception of NoCo since they were the number one seed in their are hosting. Um, they have the late game all three, I believe. So uh, yeah, we, we go nine o'clock to thirty nine o'clock.
0: Okay, that's gonna be pretty awesome to watch. All right, yeah, because I'll be watching all the games. Honestly, I've, I've again I've, I've fallen in love with uh, this division over the years. Uh, well, not over the years because honestly this is the first year of the USPHL uh, for for Ogden, but uh, I've fallen in love with how this division has just kind of handled things this year, and it's been pretty exciting to watch all five of these teams compete. Uh, You know, sorry to Provo for having to be left out of this conversation, but somebody had to. And it's going to be interesting to see how this round robin. I like the fact that they're taking on the Memorial uh, Cup kind of uh, route. And so then I imagine with the team finishing first, is this the team that moves on to uh, Chesapeake or what's what's the deal there?
1: Yeah. So whoever wins the game Sunday uh, will move on and represent our division at Nationals. It's kind of unfortunate, I think.
0: I think at the beginning of
1: the season, they didn't really know what to expect as far as how good our division is going to be because so many of the teams are brand new to the USPHL. Uh, so we only got one bid, where there's other divisions that have two bids. And I mean, I you could take any team from our division, and and they're they're going to compete and challenge to win a national championship once they get to Virginia next week. And you know, even even Provo, you know, Provo, you could argue is the hottest team down the stretch. I, I would put them up against anybody in the league and, uh, you know, know they're going to compete and they're going to show up and be ready to play. So it's unfortunate. We only got one bid, but uh, it is what it is. So whoever, you know, from our division does end up going to Virginia next week, you know, they, they should show very well and they should, you know, hopefully put this division on the map being in its first year. Yeah. I'm, so I'm gonna... oh, go ahead.
2: So with two weeks of uh, you know, really tough hockey coming up for the boys, what do you guys do as a staff to kind of make sure, you know, that mentally everyone's checked in and ready to go?
1: So it, it's really it's really hard. The the good thing for us is with us having played so many games in a full season, um, and kind of working around other team schedules to do that, we we've had stretches of you know five and five, four and four, nine and eleven. So you know the fact that we have such a bulk of games in such a short period of time, you know, we're kind of used to that and, you know, we know how to handle it and try to give the guys as much time to rest as they can get. But, you know, the big thing for us is just making sure our guys are getting to bed at a decent hour and getting the proper sleep they need, Uh, you know, making sure their meals are set up for them when we're on the road so that they're getting good food and, you know, trying to take care of them that way. As far as when they show up to the rink to play every single day, you know, we try not to jam, you know, too much video and all that kind of stuff down their throat. We want them to, we want them to go out, play the systems, and you know, do do the things that we like to do to be successful. But we, you know, we also want to give them the flexibility and freedom to be a junior hockey player and enjoy the experience. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of our guys are are battle tested, but you know, I think everybody's hungry for the playoffs. I think when you get into the series like we were supposed to have originally, where you're playing, you know, two three games, then you get a week off, and then another two or three games. Um, And kind of compressing that into a round robin type situation like you're seeing with us this coming week. You know, the guys are excited. Um, Most of our team are, are younger kids compared to the other teams. Like we've got a handful of U18 kids that are used to the, you know, district schedule. And that's kind of how this playoff works for them. So, you know, it's probably something they're pretty comfortable with as well. Um, but yeah, it was nice to be honest with you. Uh, you know, as much as we we hated seeing the games, you know, the home games getting lost last weekend, it was it was nice to get some rest for some of our guys. We had a few guys that just needed a little bit of rest, and you know, going into this week now with those few days off, they should be 100% ready to go. So.
2: Yeah, and I think just from watching the games that know I've been able to watch, I think that uh, the team really responds to you know that that the staff's coaching style there. Like you said, it's kind of. You know, you kind of let them have their time so they can be who they need to be as a hockey player, and I think that's responding really well with a lot of the players.
1: Yeah, it is. And and you know, the the thing about having the young group is like we knew at the beginning of the season there were going to be some some bumps and bruises along the way, um, just trying to get them to adapt to the junior game. But you know, the one thing our guys respond really well to is being challenged. So you know, we've had a few games where we've gotten off to a pretty rough start, and and Kenny does a good job in between periods of. of of getting everybody back on the same page and focused and and kind of starting fresh. And, you know, there's so many games where we could have come away with zero points. Like I think we had a game against the outliers. We went to the third period down three or four goals and, you know, came back and won in a shootout We've had so many games like that would have been so easy for our younger guys to just kind of fold up shop and try to, you know, think about the next game or what they're going to do after the game. And, you know, our guys are pretty mentally tough. So, you know, if there's time on the clock, we don't really care what the score is. We don't really worry about it. We just, we work hard and we try to stick to our game plan. So.
2: Yeah, and I mean, like I said, like, I'm really excited to watch you guys go in there. I think, you know, having the young players and having that mentality, I mean, it's a it's a dangerous thing to have for a hockey team, and uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully see a lot of success from you guys.
0: It's going to be exciting to see how everything unfolds. 100% rooting for the Mustangs to move forward and go all the way to Chesapeake because, you know, we've been covering this team for, at least since the beginning of this podcast, and again, for me, following this team for years. But uh, I, I like what they've done this year. I like that the way that big stretch they had from – December into February just a lot of wins a lot of wins a lot of fun hockey it was great to go to a lot of those games in January you guys had a lot of away games in February so I just had to sit at home and watch but uh it's gonna be just kind of what I have to do for the rest of the season you know gonna be watching all the games unfold there in NOCO and then hopefully Ogden moves on to the uh Championships in in Chesapeake, but regardless of the team that does, uh probably going to be rooting for the Mountain Division because, like you said, it's, it's I think it'll help definitely put this newly developed division on the map and uh, hopefully get some extra bids in uh future seasons. But I like what I think the USPHL's done pretty good uh, this year with how they've handled things. I haven't heard personally of a lot of issues coming out with COVID. You know, you've done good this year because I'm amazed. I've got to watch a full season. And I'm very happy to see the playoffs unfold. Check out the game tomorrow. Uh, The Mustangs will be facing off against, what is it, Northern Colorado you're starting with? Uh, We start with Pueblo. Pueblo, okay. Yeah, uh, Ogden would be facing off against Pueblo tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, so definitely give it a watch. It's been a great season to see unfold any other thing you want to kind of bring up with any thoughts you've had so far on the season uh any any other standout points for you uh
1: you know honestly like i don't know i I think in the past um you know there's been kind of a different vibe as far as the western states league and you know like the outliers and and the provos and, and you know like there's there's definitely animosity between the fans but the one thing i've really liked about this season is uh the amount of respect between the you know coaching staffs and the ownership groups of the teams in the division I mean it would like I said it it could have been a very difficult hard trying season like we saw some of the other divisions have but the flexibility and and you know the work that we've all put in um even you know all the way down to the the divisional calls that we had last week you know trying to figure out what we were going to do about playoffs and and trying to give every kid an opportunity to at least play in the playoffs um you know because it would have been easy last week for, you know, some of the teams that were having issues to just say, oh yeah, you know, you should just bow out and, you know, we'll just play. But, you know, to to have the flexibility and to sit down and and put everything together and make it work and give everybody an opportunity. Because, I mean, honestly, every team that's playing in the playoffs has had a good enough season to at least get a playoff berth into our division, uh, if not a national berth. So the the fact that we've all been able to work together and, and keep it cordial and and respectful and and have a good season. Uh, I think it speaks volumes of the USPHL and kind of what our division is trying to do. Uh, Yeah, the USPHL has been great. Um, You know, I think a lot of fans and and people that weren't used to the USPHL uh, were kind of hoping for some of the older games like the Mustangs had in the past where they're beating the Steamboat Wranglers 14 to one or whatever the case may be um, over the course of a weekend. But there's, you know, I think it took a while for people to really realize how much more difficult the division and the league that we're playing in now is um, like I said, our, our league's good. It's very good, but you know we think our division's, you know, top notch. We really do. And uh, if you if you don't play well, you lose. And that's that's pretty much been the theme in the division all season long. And if, if you play well and do things right, uh, you got a decent chance to win every night. So uh, it's it's been you know pretty pretty straightforward and and pretty honoring with everybody involved. So you've seen us beat every team in our building. You've seen us lose to every team in our building. And you've seen us go to other buildings and do the same thing. So. Yep you know it's just it's just the way the division is and it's the way the league is and it should be this way for you know the foreseeable future with the teams and ownership groups that are involved in it
0: yeah i would say this is far more entertaining hockey i'm going to be honest you know no no knock on the wshl but uh ogden was just so many leaps above a lot of teams in that division uh or basically that league for so long that uh there were games like even the season i was living in dc the uh was at the 1819 season? Some of the scores from that season were just atrocious. Ogden was just as a goalie, I I wasn't happy with the with the scores. As a Mustangs fan, I'm like, oh great, we beat a team 21 to two. That's that's awesome. A lot of guys got goals, but when you look at it as a goalie, and it's like, no, that sucks. I've I've been the losing goalie on a 21 to you know two game. It's not fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the fan base of Ogden has definitely taken on adapting to the new league and i think that's awesome because it's more competitive hockey yeah it's you know periodically fun to see your team just destroy another team but i've also been to games i think i went to a game in ottawa as a Sabres fan that we lost six to one that wasn't fun uh it
2: was a great time
0: yeah yeah (laughs) forget you but uh you know, with with more competitive games, I think it actually gets the fans far more involved. You don't tune out on goal 12. You stand up and you're excited for a goal when it, you're, you're, it's it's a close game and it's three to two. When you're up 10 nothing, I would stand, but I'm comfortable now. You know, well, it's, it's better for
2: the kids, though, too, right, because oh, they're, way they're playing against some good competition. So when they're putting film together or someone's watching them, you know, they get six goals in the game. You start questioning who they're playing against and if they can play at the level that you're looking at them for. So when they're playing against somebody who's, you know, putting up a fight and they have to work for it, it's, you know, it's a lot better for them and whatever's going to happen next for them.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, like we, we did have some you know, talking points at the beginning of the year. Like, I mean, look at a guy like, like Andre Schmakoff, for example, Uh, you know, played for the outliers, played in the Western States league. He was an 80, 90 point guy. Um, And, you know, we, beginning of the season, I mean, do we want him to score 80, 90 points? Of course we do, but the league that we play in, it's just, it's, it's so unrealistic. I mean, like, if you look at the season, like Jake Meary's had, for example, you know, I think he missed the first week and he's been here ever since he's right in that 60, 70 point range. And, you know, he, he's had a lot of, A lot of really good stretches, really good hockey. I think, uh, you know, now that he's going to be healthy for the playoffs and everything going forward, he should be back to his old self. But, I mean, he really had, you know, a two- or three-week stretch where he wasn't getting any bounces um you know he wasn't getting any any luck like he had early in the season and you know the power play wasn't clicking it kind of went through a little patch there but seems to have gotten back on track but I mean you know he was probably you know him and Kate are the only couple kids that were kind of on pace for a season with like 80 90 points and you know I think somebody like Andre it took him a while at the beginning of the season to get comfortable playing in our system and and being reliable defensively because in his mind he's always thought you know if if I'm playing well, I'm scoring goals. Like that's what he's trained to think. That's what he's always done. Um, So you may not, you look at a guy like him and, you know, as much as he's always been a high impact offensive player, you know, we always use the analogy with us, you know, when we got him, you know, he was a Ferrari and now he's a, he's a Tahoe, like he's an SUV. You can do anything with him. You can rely on him in the defensive zone. um, You can rely on him in the offensive zone. You know, he's going to put up points when he gets opportunities, but he's, he's a much more complete player. And the sacrifice of that is going from being a, 80, 90 point guy in the Western States Hockey League where you're putting up a lot of goals every night to playing the kind of hard fought battles we play every night and winning games three to two and four to three. And, uh, you know, just playing really tight knit defensive team oriented hockey.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that's it's one one of the things I've noticed about this season with with the Mustangs is there's a lot of guys that have really stood out at least to me, and I think we've mentioned a a bulk of guys uh, on this podcast that have stood out to Sebastian, stood out to uh, the other co-host who's not on this particular podcast, Steve. There's a lot of character on this team and really skilled players. You can see guys like Herrera and Heller and, and Boldway, you know, jump into the zone, take care of business and do what they're supposed to do. Might not be the sexiest plays, but they're where they're supposed to be. And they help develop the plays. And that's uh, one thing I've definitely noticed about the team this year is the guys are generally where they're supposed to be. And when they're not, man, does it stand out? (laughs) It does.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. And the, the the caliber of, of competition that we play, whether it's the outliers or Northern Colorado or Pueblo or Provo, it doesn't really matter, but, If you don't play the system the right way, and if you get out of position, you can't cut corners, you can't cheat the system, you know, against these teams. You just can't do it. And if you do, you're going to get punished for it. You know, and I think you've seen, like, the last four or five games, you know, where troja has been in net. He's played some of his best hockey, uh, and he's kept us in some of those games. And, you know, he's a volume goalie. So, you know... Some of the shots that he faces, you know, when he faces 30, 40, 50 shots, which I think – I don't know if he's quite gotten to 50 yet this year. I know he's had a couple games at 40-plus, but he plays better in those games. You know, the hardest part with you being a goalie, you probably know this, I mean, is when you play a game like that that's tight-knit, but you only face 15 to 20 shots where you're going five, six minutes at a time without seeing a decent scoring chance, and next thing you know, a guy's got a breakaway. So, you know, Trojas played his best hockey, but, you know, the reason behind that is because we haven't really – played as well as we can those last five or six games up until the last game of the season uh and it's not that we were necessarily playing bad it's just that you know every team in our divisions had a stretch this year where they've lost a handful of games in a row and you know maybe we were a little naive early in the season to think that we would avoid it but uh it was nice to kind of get brought back down to reality there towards the end of the season and, and kind of humble some of our guys um because you know we went to those last four or five games i think kind of thinking that we had gotten the the better play against most teams in our division um on a, on on a pretty regular basis as far as winning our season series um but you know I think it was a really good humbling moment and kind of brought them back down to reality because we are like we are a team like we don't have the high octane that some of the other teams have as far as you know, 50 goal scorers. But everybody in our team we ask to produce in some capacity, whether that's killing penalties, blocking shots or, you know, putting in goals here or there. Like Tucker Thorstadt's a good example. He's our number one penalty kill guy. He plays in the first penalty kill unit. Uh, You know, he gets a chance on the power play last Sunday and, you know, he buries a, a pro level shot. I mean, he's a guy that's probably put up 11 goals I think so far this season but you know we look for him you know next year he could easily be a 20 or 30 goal scorer um, if things go his way so you know just every player that we can have in our lineup like him that's willing to do everything to win a hockey game like I said it's not always scoring goals but win face-offs kill penalties block shots all that stuff adds up and when all our guys are on the same page and doing that we're, we're a really tough team to beat and I think you know we're getting to a point now where we're finally starting to get everybody kind of back on the same page because the last two or three weeks it's been some of the guys are going one night some of the guys aren't. And then the next night, the other group's going and the guys that were the previous night aren't. So um, the way the practice has been the last couple of weeks and you know the, the way we played that past Sunday, I, we feel like we're really kind of firing all cylinders right now.
0: No, it's the right time to be doing that because even though I think you guys played Utah the last five games of the season here and they got the best of y'all uh, forward of those five games, it was good to get that final victory there to finish the season, the, the end of the season on a positive note. But those four losses uh, to Utah weren't. the great thing is they weren't by astronomical margins. They were they were close games. They were entertaining games. A couple bounces this way, a couple bounces that way. It's a different game. But Utah was clearly fighting for their playoff lives against Provo because both those teams were coming on hot and heavy. And, you know, we were talking about it in the crowd and we're like, do we want to face Provo or Utah right now? They're playing out of their minds. They're playing really good hockey. So we can't underestimate these teams moving forward. And we we knew we were going to play one of them. Of course, things shifted a little bit. We're going into the round robin, but we're still going to face them. And, uh, you know, Northern Colorado and Pueblo are really strong teams as well. They got some really talented players on those teams. And it's just going to be honestly, it's going to be blast to watch it. And I think he nailed it with Troja. He reminds me a lot of me in terms of playing in that like I'm the same way. Some goalies can take, a li- you know, very few shots and it's still perform very well they exist i'm not one of them if i don't get a shot for five six seven minutes it goes from being a beach ball to a puck (laughs) you know but when you're facing that many shots you're reading everything you're reading your players you're reading their players you're reading every potential play you just you're on top of I, i love those games and i think Troja definitely shines in games where he's facing a lot of shots. And it's very clear. Utah did not relent. They just kept unloading on him in those games. And those games could have been a lot worse had he not played the way he did. And then, was it Northern Colorado you guys were playing in before he came home?
1: Yeah. So before we came home for this last stretch against the Outliers, we were in Northern Colorado.
0: Yeah. And so I thought he was pretty, because I think he played, it was four games in a row for that one, was it not? Uh, four games in Northern Colorado and he played, what, three of them?
1: Yeah, we played four, and then um, out of those four, he played at least two. I can't remember. I know Titan got one of the games, um, and I can't remember. I think Ryan Knight might have played one of them as well. Ah, yes. So I don't know, but I do know that you know Dom's had a really, really good you know five, six, seven practices in a row, and he he kind of knows his junior clocks running out as far as him being a twenty year old and. All of our guys that are age-out guys, you know, Finney, obviously, I'm sure you guys saw the update. He committed to, you know, a D3 school this past week. So it's good for a player like him to get that kind of off his chest and not have to worry about it going into playoffs. Um, You know, we hope to have a couple more before everything's said and done here, but it's been a weird year for colleges and and trying to commit to kids. Um, So we've got a lot of guys that we're still, you know, working for and trying to figure out. But, you know, all of our older kids are capable of playing NCAA D3 hockey. Um, in some capacity, regardless of where it's at, but you know, right now our, our whole division—you could say that almost about every single team. Um, you know, Northern Colorado's got really, really good players and really good depth. Uh, obviously, Pueblo's added a few players here at the deadline, and they've got you know St. Ange, who's always dangerous when he's on the ice, and guys like yes. Brandon Gould that are good players. So, and then you look at what the outliers did. You know, if you add three defensemen like the outliers did down the stretch here it's going to do wonders for your team um you know all those guys are are high level Canadian junior players and and they've been really good and it's shown like I think some of the areas earlier in the season we kind of exploited them a little bit um you know they've been cleaned up and Paul's done a good job of, of getting them prepared and ready to play in a short period of time with you know four or five new guys added to his roster so it'll be a really fun interesting week it'll be a very stressful week but you know we we feel like when we look at our depth as a whole from top to bottom, we like our group and we like our guys. And, you know, for us, it's about executing and, and playing the systems the right way. And if our guys show up and do that, we like our chances to win every single game. So
0: we're looking forward to it. So, Sebastian, do you have any other questions before we wrap this up?
2: Yeah, I just got one. I know we were talking about the, the goalie fraternity and how weird it is. So we'll go to a, a yeah, less a weird fraternity. Uh, okay. So as, as a coach, you know, I, I think we do have some coaches that obviously listen um, and I guess this is kind of one question I usually get from some people and I thought, you know, I'd pass that question along as well. So as a coach for you, um, obviously this off season is going to be a little different with, uh, with the, the news that you share with us, that you're going to be a first time dad. So congrats on that. Yep. Um, but, uh, so usually in an off season for you, what do what do you do to kind of make sure you're kind of staying on top of your game or, you know, sharpening any skills or learning new skills for, uh, for the upcoming season?
1: Yeah, I mean, so last year was a little different because, you know, Sean didn't really buy the team until I think June or July. Kenny didn't get hired until July. Uh, you know, I didn't come in until August. So if you look at the team that we have on the ice this year, I mean, it was pretty much all, you know, pretty quickly put together. We had a chance to go to a couple different showcases where we picked up Washko and, you know, Jack Jones and some, some really good players, um, you know, but having a full offseason this year, uh to, to kind of digest everything and and you know put the work in is I think you if you ask Kenny he'd say the same thing like we're weird but we're, we're excited like whenever the offseason happens you know there's probably going to be maybe a few days off but it'll be right back to it um you know we've got a, a full board of showcases and combines and all kinds of different stuff over the course of the summer that we've kind of dissected up and you know Kenny's going to go to a handful of them I'm going to go to a handful of them we might go to a few of them together Uh, You know, I am still involved at the U16 level with uh, our team out here that's going to Nationals and Grand Rapids at the end of April. So, uh, you know, that'll be a good opportunity for me to get out there and see some of the younger kids. But, uh, you know, we spend quite a bit of our time, you know, talking about what is going to happen with the team and what we can do to make it better for next year so. Uh, you know, we had a meeting with Sean this afternoon and sat down and, and talked about a lot of different stuff and, you know, areas where we can improve areas that we really like. And that's kind of the common theme with Kenny and, and Sean and the organization and what they're trying to do. They just they want to put a better product on the ice all the time. And they want to put a better product in front of the fans for you guys to enjoy. Uh, you know, hopefully we can bring back players next year, the same caliber we have this year. And, you know, having as much time in this off season as we will have, um, you know, it'll give us a lot more time to spend time getting to know some of the guys uh, before we offer them contracts. So we really like, and we're very fortunate with the group that we had this year and how well it worked out. And it's exciting to think next year with us having a full off season to, to really put the work into it, to see what might come out of it. So, uh, you know, as far as the off season goes, whenever it does happen, hopefully it's later, you know, rather than sooner. Uh, but it, it'll be back to business right away for, for Kenny and I, for sure. Cause that's uh, something that we take a lot of pride in is recruiting and, and, and bringing in, you know, not only good hockey players, but also quality individuals like we have this year.
2: Yeah, which I think is important, right? I mean, the the thing I think a lot of hockey fans don't really get when you see a team go down is that culture. And, you know, for me, I can just tell what the kids are having fun. You know, the videos Chris sent, sometimes the kids stepping on the ice. Everyone's having fun. That culture is good, which is uh, obviously a good thing for you guys and it showed throughout the season. So, I mean, for me, I just want to say, you know, best of luck with the upcoming uh, Memorial Cup-style run. I'll definitely be watching.
1: No, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we do
0: appreciate you jumping on, uh, Nick. And so this is a great place for us to wrap it up. We do again want to thank Nick Dryer, the assistant coach of the USPHL's Ogden Mustangs, for jumping on.
1: Oh, thank you guys. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you guys following us and supporting us. Uh, it means the world to us. So.
0: No, we love doing it. It's a it's a really really fun team to watch and learning more and more about these players as the season has moved along has been honestly really exciting and we're we're thrilled to actually not only continue following the mustangs but uh for the about half dozen or so guys that are unable to play on the team next year as they will age out and as uh, some of these other guys might just move on to other organizations we'll probably be following a lot of them just to see how they go so it'll be uh, it'll be exciting podcasts in the future we do appreciate everyone listening in this is chris sebastian and special guest nick on pigeonhole hockey
2: have a great day
0: and we'll catch you next time